Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 56th episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. We've got another great guest for you this week in Adam Pohl, Director of Broadcasting for the Bowie Bay Sox, AA affiliate for the Baltimore Orioles. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, words can't describe how thankful I am for that. Please help grow the podcast by sharing it on social media, telling your friends about it, and by leaving a rating or comment on Apple Podcasts. Even though you can listen to the Pulling Tart Podcast pretty much on any platform that's out there. If you leave a comment on Apple Podcasts, you might just hear it on the show. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at It's R.A. Coon. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N. That way you won't miss out on any news about the Pulling Tart Podcast. Can't wait to chat with Adam Pohl right after this break. You're the first person that was just like, no, nah, I don't need the questions. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, I, uh, I don't know how many broadcasters you've talked to, uh, but, you know, we're, we're talkers. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, and it, so I, I, I think it'll be more fun if I don't answer the questions. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Um... <clears throat> just to let you know about me a little bit. Yeah. Um, I am not full time in the minors anymore. Oh, okay. Uh, but but I am still uh, with the base, so I'm still going to be broadcasting. Okay. Uh, but but I am uh, I, I you know I I've only done minor league baseball you know uh, basically for my whole career until June. But uh, uh, so I was a, I, I worked in Burlington, North Carolina. Well, I worked in uh, college summer league during college. In Asheboro, North Carolina, I went to UNC, and then I went to Burlington, North Carolina. At that time, they were the Burlington Indians, okay. 3 and 04. And then I was in Salem, Virginia, in the Carolina League, 05, 06. And then Frederick from 07 to 2013. Mm-hmm. And then Bowie full time from 2014 to 2020. So I, you know, so I've been in it a long time, but I'm actually not a full, I'm a former full timer. But, okay. <laughs> but yeah, so. Perfect. All right. Awesome. Um, cool, man. Um, you just want to jump right into it? Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Let's All right. Up. Awesome. <laughs> Adam, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time this evening to chat with me. Um, so you just informed me that you're no longer um, full-time... Well, first of all, Bobby, thank you so much. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're looking forward to, uh, you know, to, to chatting and kind of going down memory lane. And it's timely for me in a way uh, because I am in a kind of a professional transition. But, but you know, uh, the uh, I won't be pulling tart. I think that, that's maybe fitting why I'm on this podcast because, 
you know, uh, for me, it should be the pulled tarp podcast. Right. Because, uh, you know, I probably need about two or three, uh, you know, I need that Tiger Woods back surgery, you know, after uh, two decades of hitting that tarp. So I'm just going to be watching that cylindrical beauty touch the uh, touch the grass here from now on. But uh, I am I'm what you would call uh, here going forward a game day employee. So nice. I'm, I'm fortunate, really, really fortunate. Um, you know, I, I'm <clears throat> probably the longest tenured Orioles minor league broadcaster, you know, maybe ever. But yeah. I I, I um, grew up a huge O's fan. And this is a, it's just amazing. I mean, my career has been, I've been so fortunate and my general manager, Brian Shellcross, now that I'm, you know, my, my beard is starting to have the, the Clooney gray in it. You know, my, uh, my GM, Brian Shellcross in Bowie is allowing me to still do this, uh, still broadcast. I won't be broadcasting the full season, but I'll be broadcasting quite a bit okay. uh, in 2021. And it's a passion of mine. And, uh, you know, my toes are still in the water, uh, even though my full-time uh, life is going to be outside of baseball. But, uh, obviously, uh, my heart is still in baseball. And, you know, look, hey, I ain't dead yet, baby. So, yeah. so, uh, so I'm excited. I, you know, it's new, and, and I'm a little, it's a little going to be a little bit weird, you know, to be honest. Sure, sure. Uh, I, but, uh, hey, we'll, I get we'll it. We'll figure it out. And, and, uh, but you know what? It's going to be great, and I'm looking forward to uh, this chat and getting into some crazy stories. Because uh, for sure, you know, uh, you know, maybe I should go get some beer. I should crack a few. Mondays. Yeah, yeah, I got a, I got a cocktail here. Yeah, I got a cocktail here. If you haven't tried it, and I'm a big plug for this, the Ying, uh, the Yingling Hershey's Porter mixed okay. mixed with the Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey. <laughs> it is. You know what? I, I lead all Easterly broadcasters in chest hair, and I think that that <laughs> might take mine to a new level. That might, that might make my chest hair, you know, go to like British Open levels. You, mm-hmm. know, you drop a, you could drop a golf ball on my chest and not see the golf ball anymore. You know, I think <laughs> that, that that's that's some that's some manly stuff right there. So it's it's good. It. It's a it's a nice dessert cocktail, and and it gets the job done too. So, <laughs> awesome. um, one well, you already answered one of my questions. Uh, and, and it was are you the league in No, it was it was are you exempt from tarp pools or not? And um, it's, apparently, it sounds like you are not. If you're not on the air, you are not yeah. exempt. Uh, no, I am exempt, right? That means, oh. uh, yeah, I'm out. I'm out. I'm retired. Right. Uh, you know, it's tough having this in a pandemic, but my tarp jersey, <coughs> excuse me, my tarp jersey uh, is being raised to the rafters. Ooh. Uh, you know, we're building a new dome in Bowie, as everybody knows. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so we're going to have a huge ceremony, uh, and it's going to be on a Tuesday night uh, in May, so that obviously we got a a sellout crowd and we're going to raise that bad boy up there. You know, I'll drop a few tears onto the gorgeous soil of gorgeous Prince George's stadium. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to give, yes, you can probably tell right now, Bobby, I, I might give about a 37 minute speech. <laughs> uh, and uh, the pitching coaches will be pissed. They'll have already warmed up their pitchers. And uh, you know, we're going to have a first pitch of uh, 752 on that bad boy. Mm. <laughs> 
I like yeah, it. My, my, hey, my, my lumbar, what is, isn't that what's called? My lumbar region uh, yeah, is is very excited. About. So oh, the mine fact too. That I am, uh, you know, now for me, once again, the pulled tarp podcast. That tarp has already been pulled, but for yeah, me, I mean, yeah, I, me too. I get it, man. And this is <laughs> this is my way to. Um, still have my toes in the water, if you will. I love it. Um, I love it. And that's wonderful. Yeah, and that's, I... It's really great, yeah. and, I, and I appreciate you doing that, because so many people, to get a little bit more serious, uh, which doesn't happen often, I, you know, so many people put so much time. It's a young person's job. You know, yep. I'd go to these chamber events, you know, in my sales work for in baseball, and, and I'd talk about how I was one of the old... Old guard, you know. Here I am, forty years old. People are like old. I'm like mm-hmm. you go to these chamber events. I was a young puppy, you know. Yeah. And uh, but minor league baseball. I mean, it is a great, great way to get your foot in the water. And even if, like in my world, right? You know, even if it's not going to lead you to uh, that dream. And uh, for me, it, you know, it, it didn't or it hasn't. Um, yeah. You know, even if it didn't do that, it, it's still. It is something that sets you up for the rest of your life, and uh, you know whether that's in sports, but just the work ethic, and and uh, you know, uh, you go into another industry and you start doing showing the work ethic that you have from working in the game. And, oh yeah, uh, you know people are like, oh, you know what? You might have to work a Saturday, and you're like, oh yeah, yeah we're good. We're good. <laughs> right, right. That doesn't phase <laughs> you know, me. So. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Um, so I did want to talk about your career. I was looking at your LinkedIn profile and mm-hmm. you took a little bit of a different path in your yeah. MILB career. Um, and I, and I did too, honestly, but yours was, yours was a little bit more different than, um, than anybody else I've seen. So you, you worked your way up from director of broadcasting for the Frederick Keys all right. the, all the yeah. way up to assistant general manager. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. and then you left to go to cool. Bowie and become their director of broadcasting. Can mm-hmm. you kind of describe how you moved up in the organization in Frederick, and then why you decided to leave to go to Bowie? That's not usually a normal um, <laughs> progression from director of broadcasting to assistant general manager. It, you know, it, I I I've been. Uh, at four different places in minor league baseball and loved them all. And, and, uh, even in kind of a sappy way, I'm like, this is what I've kind of gained from every experience, but there's no doubt that, uh, my tenure in Frederick, uh, is really the, the time in my professional baseball life that, uh, that, you know, turned it from a job to a career, mm-hmm. uh, gave me success, gave me confidence as a person, made me a leader, and um, I'll value it forever. So, you know, I came to the Keys. <clears throat> we had had a lot of turnover in Salem. Um, the the organization wanted me to just be a broadcaster and not a full-timer anymore. Oh, okay. And I just couldn't do it. And so I, uh, I ended up getting an opportunity in Frederick. My uh, GM in Salem, who's now with Columbia, John Katz. Uh, oh, yeah, I know you John. Know, in, yeah. in, in a way, John let me go, but... He gave me the olive branch uh, by recommending me to Frederick. And um, that was my second chance in a way. And, you know, I'll always be indebted to John and be so thankful for that. And, um, 
So I go to the Keys, and I'm just a PR guy, but, you know, this is the thing. I, I kind of got my lesson, you know, from my Salem experience. And I, I was at an age, I didn't grow up in a family that, look, we weren't poor, but, but we, we weren't a family of incredible needs. Sure. So I, I, I basically, you know, here I am, mid to late 20s now, or mid 20s. And, you know, the salaries in the DC Baltimore area, it's just, you're not making enough money. I knew yeah. that I wanted to be a broadcaster. Um, I, I, you know, have such a passion still to call games. And I knew that I had to find a way to make more money so that I could keep calling games long enough to give myself a chance, mm -hmm. you know, to try to get that dream job. And that's what Frederick gave me because... Uh, I was able to rise up the ranks in the Keys marketing department. And if you're listening and you're not a minor league baseball person, you know, uh, there are really a few different ways you sell in minor league baseball. One, of course, is advertising. That's what I've done for the majority of my career. Mm -hmm. uh, the other aspect, though, of course, is just some form, way, way shape, or form of selling tickets. Right. Uh, most people that get into the game at first are group salespeople, meaning they're selling picnics and birthday parties and all this stuff. Uh, but for me, I, I went up the marketing side. We had a lot of changeover in marketing in my first year or two uh, with the Keys. We had some very talented uh, marketers that left. And the Keys, to their credit, are an organization that loves to hire from within. Okay. Well, I was in the marketing department, but I had no real want to run marketing when I started there. But, mm -hmm. you know, I, I was kind of <laughs> realized in the 2010 baseball season that there was going to be an opening uh, to run the marketing department, you know, for the Frederick Keys, and that I was the person with by far the most uh, experience sure. on the staff. Uh, and I just, you know, I mean, when you're a broadcaster, you travel everywhere, you see everything. I do enjoy the, the business of baseball. I enjoy being a leader. And, uh, you know, I, I had a lot, it was just great. So I, I basically, it's one of the few times in my life, Bobby, that I, I was playing chess, not checkers. And what I mean by that is I could kind of see what was going to happen about a month ahead of it. So okay. I had already come up with a full-fledged marketing plan by the time that um, my general manager, Dave Zidell, was still the GM of the Keys, came to me and asked me about if I'd have any interest in doing this. Okay. And when I went to him and I showed him exactly what we should, in my opinion, be doing, he was kind of like, whoa, like, like he wasn't really expecting uh, what I brought to the table. So, I, you know, I, it, it was just an incredible experience. I was able to hire people uh, that had a great success in the game of baseball beyond Frederick. Uh, I hired Brandon After, uh, who went on to lead marketing in Gwinnett. Okay, <laughs> yeah. And then a few other places. I hired my right-hand man, as I call her, Bridget McCabe, who became the keys to marketing person when I went on and then went on to the San Diego Padres. Okay. Uh, Tim Murray was kind of my broadcast partner and PR assistant, and he's now a big voice on the Vegas Sports Information Network called VSIN. That's the Brent Musburger Network. He's oh, wow. top into talent. So we, we had an incredible crew. Paul Danilo was my video guy that I hired. He now runs the video board for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Nice. We had an incredible team, you know, and this was about a decade ago uh, in that 2011 to 2013 timetable. And, and uh, you know, we were able to raise attendance. So that's what happened. I mean, I, I kind of got an opportunity. I embraced it and we came up with uh, 
with a plan and had great success. And the problem though with that was that your salary is going up, which is great, right? Mm-hmm. And you're, you know, you're, uh, you're having success, but, but it's not, you're not feeling like you're getting it closer. Here I am like this longtime single A broadcaster. The Orioles broadcasters were getting older. I knew that Baltimore was my real chance to be a major league baseball broadcaster. Okay. And it was my dream. I mean, I'm an Orioles fan my whole life, you know. I, I you know, I, I grew up listening to Orioles baseball. Yeah. And uh, my broadcast sound sounds like, you know, Orioles baseball from the 80s, you know, <laughs> you know to be honest. Okay. <laughs> and uh, what ends up happening is that I, I just knew that you know, no single-A uh, broadcaster had been hired for a major league gig uh, in all of my time in minor league baseball, more than a decade's worth. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like I had to get to double-A or higher to have a chance. And I, I uh, so Bowie gave me such a great opportunity because I was able to do less and focus more on my broadcast. Okay. And I was able to spend, you know, these last full-time years uh, the years of my late thirties, I was able to spend it really like going for it. And the fact that I didn't make it, it doesn't mean I shouldn't have gone for it. I, right. I, I do, you know, I, I do, uh, know that I love my job in Frederick more than any other job I had, but if I didn't leave Frederick and I just continued along the same path of being really a business manager you know, for the keys, I just, um, I, I think I would have had a lot of what ifs. So, you know, the, this pandemic time has been one that's, that's been a little bit tough on my psyche, um, as right. far as the broadcast side of me, because I really, 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 uh, wanted to, uh, you know, be at the highest level and, sure. you know, whether it's baseball or another, you know, and I've seen a lot of colleagues that I love and adore that are living that dream. And it's not happening for me. And um, that's been really, really hard. Um, you know, how the Orioles thing went down, I, I didn't get it. And the Orioles ended up hiring a great broadcaster, <clears throat> one of men eight named Jeff Arnold. Mm-hmm. And Jeff was the guy that replaced me in Frederick. And you yeah. sit there and go, oh, my God, if I would have stayed in Frederick, I, I could have still gotten this job in theory, right? And, yeah. Um, so I, I went from Frederick to Bowie because I thought I had no chance. And then they ended up hiring Frederick's broadcaster. It's kind of a bit, you know, kind of almost ironic. But but the, the thing about it is, um, you know, we're moving on. We're moving on, and uh, and for me in my career, I, I really don't regret that move, and I made that move to be a broadcaster. I was on the GM path, and I didn't want to be a GM, and, and that's kind of, you know, kind of uh, kind of why I went that way. Yeah, so I t- I totally get it. Um, moving on to to different things, and but still mm-hmm. keeping your toe in the water because I love the business aspect of minor league baseball. I was in it for yeah. for eight years um, in Williamsport, Beloit, and Delmarva. Um, and quite frankly, um, people that work in the industry have lots of stories to tell, like you, <laughs> that, that need their stories told. And that's why I started the podcast, because there was no other platform where people that work in the industry could come together and and share their stories um, and share advice and that kind of stuff. So 
um, yeah, just thank you so much again for, for coming on. And, um, no yeah, this is some great insight for sure. Um, so you said that you, of course, sold, um, advertising sales, sure. um, and ticket sales as, as do a lot of people. Um, and so did I, uh, and I always like to ask this to my, to my salespeople, what is the number one secret to sales? Oh, you know, for me, it was, uh, I, I remember the day itself, you know, I, um, you know, I, I struggled in sales at Salem, but I, I didn't care that much about it. I, I'm just saying it, it wasn't a big thing in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I did the best I could and yada, yada, yada. Uh, but then when I went to Frederick, I put so much stress on myself to do well. And it's so hard because, <clears throat> you know, you, Sales, there's a lot of luck involved. And oh yeah, you kind of you, you kind of throw all these things out there, you know, and then hope something comes back to you. Uh, and of course, the better people kind of understand that. So, look, there's three things you can get in sales. You can get a yes, you can get a no, and you can get a maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and when I realized that a no is better than a maybe, uh, it that, is. Um, that was the moment, you yep. know, I, it, the nose were really affecting me negatively. I was, I was getting too highly invested in it. And, uh, for me, excuse me, the, um, you know, when I was able to kind of just be more chill with it and, uh, have an understanding, uh, you know, that look, I'm just gonna, I need to just do this and, uh, it's whatever happens happens. I, I think it really really helped. Now I do have to tell a story about that. Sure. That was a mind blowing moment for me. We had the best sales rep easily in the Carolina League, uh, named Sean O'Neill. Okay. Uh, still one of my best friends in the world. And Sean, it was my second or third day with the Keys, and Sean's on a, a, a call and he's talking about basically telling a story about how his child, you know, in utero, they thought they were having a second girl with a first sonogram, right? Okay, yep. So they were good. They didn't need need to get new clothes. They go to the next sonogram, and they realize that this kid is swinging me, right? (laughs) So, So basically, they had to rush you know, to get new clothes. It's not like the kid popped out and opened his legs and it was like, wow, there's a hammer. Right. But it was, but it was like, oh my God. And Sean's telling this story and I'm like, and it's like Friday at four o'clock or Wednesday at four, you know, it's late in the day. Yeah. And I'm just thinking that he's talking to one of his buddies. When I realized that Sean was talking to the second largest sponsor of the team, <laughs> it, it was a light bulb moment. It was like, wow, you know, this guy is friends with his clients. Yeah. They don't see him as a salesperson. They see him as the fun baseball guy. And to be honest, that's what I am. You yeah. Know, I, I am, I am, uh, I'm not saying I can't get dressed up and look professional or whatever, but, but, um, but boy, you know, you, you, you don't want to be a square when you're working in baseball. This is about fun it's about a nine inning vacation. You know, yeah. That's what, that's what we're all about. And that was a huge lesson for me. I loved it when I was at Bowie, kind of in a similar role to Sean. 
you know, all these years later, about a decade later, and I could hear when I was on convers- some calls with big clients of the team, I could hear the young staff, the you know, full-timers laughing at my conversation. They're like, I can't believe you're saying that to your sponsor. I am. And, and, and I could tell that I was having the same effect on them uh, that Sean had on me, and, and that that really meant a lot to me. Now, most of them, though, had a different response. They're like, God. Jesus, I'd never do that. This guy's crazy. But, but, but I mean, the reality is I, I really took that moment and I'll never forget it. It, it was, uh, it was, it, it was an incredible, you know, incredible uh, learning experience for me. Yeah. So like, correct me if I'm wrong here, <laughs> but broadcasters, either, either you do not want them selling at all. Or, or they are some of the best salesmen ever. Because, let's think about it, you have probably the best stories about the team and the staff sure. of the team, and because you traveled with them, and and I just feel like the conversation would probably flow a lot easier, um, especially if the if the client is a baseball fan, which one would think that they are at this point, you know. Um, yeah, and I'll tell you this: I, I think as well, you know, for staff, <laughs> if you really, really have. Uh, that itch and that urge. I come from a family of performers, right? Bingle and music and, and arts. And for me, that, that's what this is. You know? Yeah. I, I, I love sports and I love bringing uh, my passion, you know, for sports, which I think is in, in, in some ways a little bit insane. Yeah. I, I, like, I think that that comes through. And for some people, it's over the top. But for other people, it's, it's like, wow, you know, this is special. But the reality from a business person standpoint is that for a general manager, you know, here I am, I'm somebody that's going to, uh, and a lot of, a lot of broadcasters are like this. This is not just a loving Adam Pohl thing here, but, but you know, I, I'm somebody that could bring a lot of positive energy mm-hmm. and I'm also somebody that's not going to go in and it's not going to be all about how much money they make for me. I look, I needed enough money to live, but, but my goal in minor league baseball was to keep calling games. Yeah. And, um, and that's what I did. And to be honest, that's what I'm still doing. You sure. Know? I mean, uh, and I'm, and I'm doing it a little bit different now because, um, it, it's not all about calling games and it never has been. I mean, I, I've enjoyed some people just look at, Oh my God, I'm just doing this so that I can get to my next stop. Mm-hmm. I've never really been like that. I, I've loved it. And that's why I want to keep doing it. You know, I, sure. I really, really love it. So I think that that's important. Yeah. For not just broadcasters, because I mean, when you really think about it, man, my, working in minor league baseball is tough. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Um, and it, it's, uh, but it's not a bad thing. It's, it's awesome, mm-hmm. but it's tough. Yeah. You no, know, more hours, less pay is what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are ways to make a long career out of it if you have success, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not easy. And um, I, I really, um, you know, I really believe that. Uh, that there's it, it takes a, a kind of mentality, personality, and, and passion, you know, for the the game, but more importantly, the product uh, to be able to have a long and successful career. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you there. Um, so, what was the best sale 
in baseball that you've ever made. Doesn't ha- necessarily have to be the biggest, just oh, the best. Oh, oh I, yeah, I got it. Now I stole it, though. But that's it. All great things are stolen, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you, the beautiful Wilmington Blue Rocks and the cockroach game on field. Uh, you know, I, I got a... Uh, a pest, you know, uh, exterminator in, in almost every ballpark I worked at after seeing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got them to sponsor this, which is basically you get an intern to run out, you know, in the in in the uh, insect costume, and then you get a seven-year-old with a huge fly sweater to just beat the crap out of them. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. And one time. And, I love it. And then, of course, the, the bug dies. One time the kid was obviously a wrestling fan because he came out and he dropped an elbow. In that uh, intern, uh, in that intern's rib cage, and I, I can tell that that, that smarted us quite a bit. So, mm. <laughs> so it, you know, my, my sponsor of that in Frederick, you know, as many they they've done it for a year or two. They decided they weren't going to do it anymore, and they come to a Kings game. They see it. The people in front of them go, "Oh my God, it's the it's the bug game," you know. Yeah, and they and they knew their business from it. And they're like, we come to Keys games because of this promotion, you know, or whatever. That's so, so funny. Anyway, it, it, that was a, a lot of fun. But I'm telling you, we, you know, we, we've had, you know, the crazier the better is, is really what it's Oh, yeah, out. no doubt, for sure. Uh, so I got to ask, why is Bowie the place to settle down? Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, so that's a good question. You know, it's, it's because, uh, you know, in life, the the uh, the term uh, from your eyebrows to your hairline that's supposed to be called a forehead, right? So mm-hmm. like when you put your four fingers, not your thumb, but you put them up from on your eyebrows, your hairline is supposed to start, you know, above that index finger. Right now, my forehead is more like, you know, a six head. You know, my <laughs> daughter came to me the other day and asked me if she could watch Fantasia on my forehead. Uh, because she thought that I was an IMAX theater. That's the problem. So, so I, I, yeah, I, I was getting a little long in the tooth. I mean, I, you know, it's funny because I, I, uh, minor league baseball, a thing that's always annoyed me over the years, even though it's, it's completely true, is this aspect of minor league baseball more than just a game. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, minor league baseball's whole thing is like, who cares about the game? We're, we're putting on a show here, right? Yeah. And I get it because, but you know what? I, I actually started working in baseball because of baseball. Right. <laughs> I, yeah. I actually like baseball. So, so for me, Double um, A, the Eastern League, is an incredible league. Double A baseball is probably the best level of minor league baseball, and the reason I say that is because the prospects spend the most amount of time at that level. A lot of times, you know, a long time in Double A then a short time in AAA, and they're up to the bigs. Uh, and it's just, you know, AAA is a lot of guys that are really frustrated because they're not in the bigs, they used to be there. And AA is a lot of young and hungry guys that have, you know, made it past that tough first step of, of, of course, you know, the the former artist formerly known as the New York Penn League for mm-hmm. yourself in Williamsport. Yep. And then, of course, low A, high A. Delmarva Frederick, uh, formerly Frederick, and then, you know, up to double A. Double A is the proving ground. And if you're able to make it, you know, like, like Frank Sinatra said, if you're able to make it here, you can make it anywhere, right? Right. So I, I, the other aspect about that is there's three double A leagues. There is the Eastern, well, well, I don't know what they're called now, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. There's the Eastern League, there's the Texas League, and the Southern League. 
And I'm not saying the Southern League. I mean, more, more baseball players come from the states of the Texas League and the Southern League than the Eastern League. Right. But, but I'm telling you, baseball is so special in the Northeast. It really is. I mean, it really, really is. There, There's just a passion for this sport that's unrivaled, I, I believe, uh, in a lot of these big cities in the Northeast. And obviously, uh, the, the Bay Sox are very close to Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're looking at a team like Reading, so close to the Phillies. Yeah. Uh, Portland, people in Portland are huge Red Sox fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Binghamton, you know, in their affiliation for a long time, forever with the Mets. Yep. Uh, Trenton, now Somerset with the Yankees. You know, you're looking at huge baseball cities. Right. And the people in the area of this minor league team are big fans of the major league team. And it, it just, oh, yeah. you know, Altoona with the Pirates, uh, Akron with the Indians. It, it's really, really special. And because of that, uh, you just get much better baseball crowds in the Eastern League, a lot more day baseball in, okay. you know, previous to major league taking over. It's just, it's a great baseball league. You know, it's great on the field and it's great in the stadium, a lot of great franchises with big followings, and um, I just feel very, very fortunate to uh, have spent a, a big chunk of my career uh, in the artist formerly known as the Eastern Lake Rest in Peace. All right, perfect. And <laughs> um, so, do you have any stories from working with former Beloit Snappers intern Sean Banks? Oh my goodness, Sean, my man. Yes, oh, of course. You know, Sean and I were together for one season. Uh, you know, but <laughs> I mean, obviously, this was kind of near the uh, the end of my long run uh, in minor league baseball. Um, you know, as a full timer, uh, you know, Sean is obviously a diminutive person in stature, but yes. he is a dynamic. Uh, personality and mm-hmm. that's what's so awesome I mean he is just somebody uh, that um, you know that that you just you know he, he just he, he's so confident uh, he's so bright he's a brilliant person and um, that he you is know, I, the great thing for me with Sean is that Sean is more professional than I am uh, <laughs> but I enjoyed you know finally getting him out of that mode so my favorite moment and Sean and his incredible wife Catherine I, I, I what happened is that we uh, every year I, I set up the Bay Sox uh, in the St. Patrick's Day Parade right uh-huh. and uh, <laughs> and uh, and the first year we went man it was such a bummer like you know we're sitting there and I'm like damn this was a tailgate you know that I got the you know, Morgan Keller in front of us, the stiffest of stiff, and they're hammering beers, you know, here at 11 a.m., and here we are, the minor league baseball people, we're just sitting here, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so it, it, I'm not saying that we got rowdy or anything, but but it, this it's a great social event in Annapolis. And, <laughs> and Sean, you know, Sean, the year that he was in the parade with us, he was, um, you know, I mean, it, in the drinking race, he was, uh, he was, I'm not saying he was lapping people, but he was leading the race by a good margin. Okay. And I started realizing, because this happens right before, uh, you know, right before the season. In fact, it was the last thing that I did fun before the pandemic, almost exactly a year ago. It was like March 9th, you know, 2020. And Sean, uh, this was in 2019. 
Sean was, <laughs> he had our magnet schedules or, you know, and he was running and putting them on everything. <laughs> and the, the truck in front of us was pissed. And it was hilarious because they, they kind of got mad and were throwing them off their truck. Oh, sneaking back up and putting them back on. We had, we had a blast. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, who was the person? Sean easily finished his beer. I just marched through the parade with my beer in my hand. Mm-hmm. And I had a public official come up and nearly arrest me. Uh, and uh. I'm sitting there going, I'm basically sober. And here's Sean off his ass. Right. And, uh, Sean's just, you know, this legal resident of the uh, wonderful uh, state of Maryland here. So, yeah. so, I, uh, so we, we, we obviously... Uh, we obviously have had many good times together. Oh, yeah. Um, I worked with Sean. He, I think he still had one year of school left, maybe. Um, or maybe he had just graduated. But um, needless to say, it was he was pretty young. And um, But as you alluded to, um, he's not a large-statured person. And, um, but... Yeah, he um, thoroughly impressed me with his uh, beer drinking abilities um, at at the Rock, um, which was my my spot in in Beloit, Wisconsin, um, and I kind of had to uh, sit down Sean once or twice, and he, you know, this allegedly, was allegedly, yeah. So this was not not about the the drinking of beer. Um, <laughs> In, in fact, I may have had a beer in my hand when we had this conversation. Um, but it was... So, we were in Beloit. And the st- the staff in Beloit was very small his year. And the, um, the interns kept on dropping like flies. And um, he, he kind of was like... And he was not really. He was. He was more of a stadium ops intern than anything. Um, mm-hmm. But but I would pull him from his stadium ops duties to help me with press releases and stuff like that because I knew he was talented in that area. And um, he would get frustrated at the um, physical uh, duties aspect of his job. And I was just like, dude, this is minor league baseball. Like, we don't have, like, you know, I'm only going to write press releases and and control the marketing and the social media. I will also um, stock shelves and light the fryers and um, grill hot dogs if need be. So, I mean, I had to kind of sit him down and was like, this is minor league baseball. Take it or leave it, you know? Um, and he ended up... Well, the good thing is that he took it, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, you know, he... he it, it's it's a great story of perseverance in, in the sport. And sometimes, you know, for me, I've always done, you know, been the broadcast guy. So uh-huh. I've kind of always done what I wanted to do. And Sean, somebody that kind of was, you know, at the beginning took whatever job was there right. and made an impression. And now he's running uh, a team in the nationwide, uh, you know, ultimate Frisbee league. He's yeah. running a DC franchise. I mean, it's awesome. Man. Yeah. And, and so he, and, and, uh, you know, hopefully he does that for a while, but who knows what's even in the future for Sean. It's pretty cool. So I'm really happy for him. 
and I, I really believe in him. I, you know, he's he's somebody that um, uh, there's just there are a lot of people in life where where you meet them and and they make a real impression on you. Oh yeah, you, you just have kind of a feeling like this guy's gonna make it. You know? Oh yeah, and uh, and what what is it right? You know that's right. That's uh, you know, but I I've always felt like that. Uh, with Sean. Yeah. Because we're both in the, we're both, by the way, Bobby, in a music fraternity in college, the same one called Find You Alpha, which in Greek, uh, translated to English means King of the Dorks. Uh, really? So, uh, yeah, yeah ah. it does, yeah. So, so we were both in the dorky music frat. Uh, so, so we, we, to be honest, we have so much in common. It's, it's insane. Yeah. So, um, uh, yes. I, do, I do think Sean is brilliant, honestly. Um, he, you know, like, with the other interns that were around him that year, I was just like, this guy is head and shoulders smarter um, and harder working than than his peers around him. Um, and that was that was clear from the get-go, honestly. So um, shout-out to Sean Banks, and, and I don't live too far away that I can't come see a Ultimate Frisbee match that's or right. game that's so I, I live even closer so yeah we're, we're both marylanders here on this podcast <laughs> yeah i'm actually in delaware now oh you're in you're in slower delaware you're yeah right, right right exactly that's that's how i met my wife is you know i was living in salisbury at the time and then met her and she's born and raised in millsboro so gotcha. yeah i'm in i'm in slower lower so <laughs> um and so you also do slash did um, play by play for Mount St. Mary's basketball. Yeah, that is that is in the present, brother. No, okay, perfect. Yes, yes, get, yes, I am. I'm the voice of the Mount, and uh, and it's it's awesome. It's um, you know you know when I talk about uh, passion and, and whatever, you know, once again, I got into this because of my love of sport. I and I love covering. Orioles minor league baseball, mm-hmm. whether it's Frederick or Booing or what, but you know the goal of minor league baseball for the players is to get to the major leagues. It's yeah. not you know to win a championship uh, for their respective team. They're moved up and down, but but obviously you know it, it's it's enjoyable to be around a winning team more than a losing team. There's no doubt about it. Sure, it's a, it's a lot more fun when you're winning. Oh, and yeah. um. And I actually called the last three Orioles minor league championships, which is kind of insane. Yeah. But, the, um, but there's nothing like uh, being with a Division One basketball program and uh, where winning is everything. And it's the only thing, right? Yeah. And um, so I just, I, you know, I, I think if if people are out there that have, you know, heard of uh, well, like, who, who's heard of Matt? Not, not many of you probably have heard of Mount St. Mary's broadcast, but but that's what uh, I try to bring to the table because it, it really matters that the Mount basketball does. Um, Jim Phelan was the coach for 49 years. Jeez. And his uh, lineage, per se, has passed you know the, the coaching tree down. And uh, uh, his last point guard was a guy named Jamie and Christian, now the head coach at GW. Mm-hmm. And Jamie was my coach my first year, six years at the Mount. Dan Engelstad was an assistant under uh, um, Jim Phelan's top assistant who took over for him, right? So Milan Brown is now a top assistant at Pitt. Okay. Milan Brown was the next coach at the Mount after, uh, you know, after uh, Jim Phelan retired mm-hmm. in 2003. And uh, 
and now he's the head coach of the Mount, and uh, it's just it's awesome to be a part of the family, and um, it's it's everything to me. So I, you know, I'm I'm so fortunate. To me, um, I've enjoyed my, you know, I love baseball. Baseball is really my favorite sport. But mm-hmm. if there is a an experience that I've treasured more than anything else in my career professionally. Uh, it has been as my time as a uh, broadcaster for Mount St. Mary's. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine that would be pretty awesome. So how did you juggle all of your professional responsibilities with being a dad? You know, being <laughs> being the voice of Mount St. Mary's and the Bowie Bay Sox. Mm-hmm. You know, be, how did you juggle that? Like, you know, that's a lot of traveling, a lot of late it's, nights. Oh, no doubt. And to be honest, I, I've done the majority of that. Uh, you know, because of the pandemic, I mean, yeah. Uh, most of my career, I, I've only been a dad for two years, so most of my career ha- has been pre-child. But it's true. I mean, look, you know, I uh, we had my daughter on December twentieth, twenty eighteen, and I believe it was December twenty sixth or twenty seventh that I boarded a plane, you know, Ooh. to go on a road trip with Mount St. Mary. So, um, so it is the lifestyle, you know, yeah. and um, I. Uh, there's no doubt about it. This pandemic year has been crazy because my wife is an essential employee. So her work has been almost unaffected by everything. And, mm-hmm. and obviously us in minor league baseball were completely shut down working from home. Right. My daycare was shut down. So all of a sudden, you know, I'm somebody that works in baseball. I work for a baseball team that doesn't play baseball. And my daughter goes to a daycare that uh, is not open. So, all of a sudden, you know, it, it was basically, I, that's what my new role in life was. It, it was really an incredible experience. I mean, uh, both incre- like incredible in a good way and eye-opening in a wow. Like, right. I never thought I'd be doing this kind of way. And yeah. I, you know, I think I'm going to cherish it, you know, going forward. Like, my daughter and I, I feel now she's two. But, but you know, we have such a connection. We're so close. And sure. If I went through a regular year of what I know about really baseball season it is, Especially for a broadcaster where you're, when you're home, you're working from 9 a.m. to 10 or 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. And then when you're on the road, when your team's away, where most people live a regular life as an employee in minor league baseball, you know, a standard nine to five life. Right. Um, when you're away, well, of course it's easier, but you're not home. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, like, you know, I would literally be able to spend an hour or so in the mornings, you know, from 7.30 until 8.30, you know, with my daughter. Uh, and, you know, for the weeks I'd be at home and then, uh, when we'd be on the road, I, you know, I'd be gone. So it's unbelievable. Right. I mean, I was spending every waking moment of every day with her. And uh, uh, it's, it's kind of crazy how different uh, 2020 was for me than what I anticipated it to be. Sure, of course. Uh, so I got to ask, what's huh? been your favorite call in your broadcasting career? Oh, uh, <laughs> you know, I... I uh, you know, by, of, of any, of either sport, right? Yeah. Um, I'll tell you this. I, uh, I know what my dream, I'll tell you the favorite call that didn't happen, which is kind of funny, but, but, um, so I, I, uh, I came up with it a few years ago or a few years before Mount St. Mary's went to the tournament in 2014 and then they went back in 2017 and I had come up with this call that I thought was going to be like, 
you know, the king of all calls. Mm-hmm. When if the mount was the first sixteen seed to ever be a one seed. <laughs> now the thing about this is, of course, it was a state of it was a Maryland. Yeah, it was Baltimore like County that ended up doing it. Yeah, but UMBC, and I'll tell you, like I know that nobody, I've never heard anybody say this. So, but UMBC does not have a traveling radio broadcaster. Okay. So when that great moment happened. There was no UMBC broadcast of that game. So you had a national radio call and a national television call yeah. from two people that had never seen a UMBC game before. Wow. I, you know, I, I do believe that we missed out on that. Because yeah. for me, that was going to be my moment. I, I knew my dream was for, you know, was that the Mount would be that first 16 seed. UMBC won that game in 2018. The Mount was base, was winning early in the second half. In 2017, mm-hmm. against the number one team in the nation, Villanova. Yeah. And uh, that game was that for me. It was a pinnacle of my career. And uh, that whole trip, the Mount was the best team in their league that year. We had a crazy non-conference schedule, traveled all over the country, and then just dominated our league. We had a, you know, just, a, just such a fun group. But the more important thing is that I had Mike already. You know, when the Mount beat Villanova, I was going to do what I always say, which is Mount St. Mary's is victorious. And I, but I was going to say before that Goliath to his knees. And I was, I was waiting. And I, and I thought that if I was able to do that in my, you know, enthusiastic self, that when the buzzer hit, if we won, you know, a miraculous game, if I yelled Goliath to his knees, Mount St. Mary's is victorious. I, I, you know, I, I thought that that, would be something that would be heard on college basketball broadcasts, you know, for generations. Sure. <laughs> so that right. was my hope. And uh, when you're broadcasting the NCAA tournament, um, you know, there are two games back-to-back, and that was the first game of that two-game session. Uh, Wisconsin was playing Virginia Tech following. So okay. the Wisconsin broadcasters were just sitting there watching, you know, the first half of our game before – their pregame show starts mm-hmm. and such. And the Mount is winning the whole first half against Philadelphia. And uh, this guy, you know, next to me, the, the color commentator for Wisconsin, is listening to me call this game. I'm getting them excited, you know, into it. You know? And yeah. he just leans over to me with like four minutes left in the first half. He goes, I think you might be making history tonight. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God, I need to get my you know what together. Yeah. Because we actually do pull this off. But, but you know, it's just, it was so special to be a part of that. And uh, yeah, I mean, um, I've been very fortunate to call two Mount St. Mary's championships to go to the tournament and then three uh, Orioles minor league titles. Yeah, what was your favorite call um, as a baseball broadcaster? Oh, yeah. Uh, as a baseball broadcaster, what would be my favorite call? That's a great question. Um, you know, maybe not something directly that I said, but uh, in 2011, uh, the experience of that team would probably be my favorite time. Uh, I was with the Frederick Keys at that time. We had both Manny Machado and Jonathan Scope. They mm-hmm. were both teenagers, and we just had a special team. And that team went on to win the title. Uh, one of my best friends, uh, you know, being in baseball, I mentioned him already in this broadcast or this podcast. Tim Murray was my broadcast partner, and um, there was a game that I'll never forget. We were down one game to none in the championship series, the best three out of five. And uh, we had to get this game in. Like, it had to play. Yeah. And 
and we've all been there in, in our careers in the minors. But it was a pulling truck podcast type of night. Nice. And I think the first pitch was 10.30 p.m. And uh, it was Ooh. a series in which the first two were in Frederick and the last three were in Kinston. And you just knew if we didn't win that game, we had no chance. Mm-hmm. You, know, you had to go down there 1-1. Yeah, uh, we were playing in Kinston the next night. Kinston's a six-hour drive. You know, we're starting again at ten thirty, so we're driving overnight and then playing the next day. Yeah, uh, Eastern North Carolina had just been hit with a major hurricane, so our hotel was uh, completely full with emergency workers. Wow! So we stayed at the worst hotel I've ever been in my life, and I still laugh that Manny Machado spent one night in that hotel. But <laughs> the next night, we were able to get our team into the. Uh, the regular hotel, but we, we stayed in the biggest dump ever seen. And, um, you know, it, it was just, uh, it was an incredible thing. We were losing by one in the eighth inning and the play of the year was made by Machado. And interestingly enough, it was a base running play. Wow. <laughs> Which is so funny how, how baseball works. The yeah. Things matter, right? Yeah. So Manny gets a, a walk to lead off the inning and a power hitters up next. He has a long fly to center. It's caught. But Machado was able to tag and get second base. And that was the key. And actually, to be honest, I think there was he was up with one out. So he gets a one-out walk. That's the second out. But he gets the second base. The next batter up, a veteran, Miguel Abreu, singles. Manny scores, throw to the plate, right? To, obviously, with the whole game on the line. Right. Uh, and he's safe. But because of that, Abreu is able to get second base on that throw. And the next guy out, a catcher named Brian Ward, singled and brought a brayer around the score. And, nothing, you know, that just it's, – it's, we wouldn't have won the game without Manny tagging, getting second. And the team was just completely excited. We had this miserable bus ride, awful hotel. And when we came to the ballpark for game three, the team was, like, on the highest of highs for our spirits. And Kinson's general manager at the time, when he saw us walk in, he was like, I knew that we had no chance in Kinson. <laughs> <laughs> and the Keys won two blowout games on back-to-back nights. Okay. Uh, and uh, and won, it, won, the, won the title. Manny hit a – we had an 11-run inning in the final game. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a uh, dramatic finish because we went up 11 nothing the third inning. But wow. Machado hit a three-run home run to end an 11-run rally. And, wow. Uh, you know that was kind of that was pretty cool. So yeah, man, that's that's some minor leagues right there, and that's that's why Manny's getting however much per year. Like <laughs> he's mil a year, baby. thirty mil a year. I I know yeah, he's dinners on Manny, dinners on Manny. Yeah, in San Diego. I know he's living large out there in San Diego <laughs> for sure. Yes. So you've probably, you know, ran the social media, at least Twitter, um, while, while you're calling games. What's the weirdest comment you've seen <laughs> while running social media um, for, for a team? Well, it's a good one. I, I do have one. All right. Uh, we had a play, veteran named Joey Turdoslavich, right? All right. Who, who people like to call Turdoslavich, but former big leaguer. And, you know, he's one of these guys that, like, you feel for it because he was in the big leagues with Atlanta, and then all of a sudden, two or three years later, he's spending the entire season in Double A Bowie in the Orioles system. You know? Okay. Yeah. And uh, so he had a night 
where I think he had three doubles in Altoona. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and an Oriole fan just drops, you know, it's like Tardoslavich, you know, sets career high with three doubles, you know, in one game, you know, on the team account. Yeah. And, and uh, an Oriole fan just, just says, he goes, the turd dropping deuces on the Eastern League. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty that good. One. That's one that you want to retweet so bad. But yeah. like, you know what? Uh, I do enjoy uh, you know, my small salary and my healthcare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. That is a, that, that is a good one. Hey, the turd drop induces on the Eastern League definitely uh, did not get deleted. Uh, I, and I probably shared that with uh, about seventy three percent of the people that I know on God's Green <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so, what's your favorite and least favorite place to go in the old Eastern League? Well, the old Eastern League, uh, maybe here's another reason to uh, to show how kick-ass the Eastern League is, is that basically the old Eastern League is, is the new double-A whatever league. Yeah. You know? So, so the, you know, most leagues were changed drastically, and the Eastern League was not really changed at all. Trenton moved. It's tough because Trenton is a, is a great – I love the people that work for the Thunder. And, mm-hmm. uh, but Trenton moved about 30 or 40 minutes away okay. uh, to Somerset. New Jersey. Yeah. But that's it. Like every other team, no, no change in affiliation. But anyways, in the Eastern League, uh, Portland is a great city, man. I mean, we, we get to go there in the summer, and uh, and that is a great town. It showed my stupidity. The first night I went out drinking in Portland, uh, I, I got out downtown. I said, geez, I smell salt water. And some guy looked at me and goes, hey, asshole, that's the Atlantic Ocean. This town's called Portland. Right. You know, I mean, <laughs> one plus one, you know, still is two. But uh, Portland plays a, a very different type of music at the ballpark. It oh. really is a, a greater baseball feel. Uh, I would put money on the fact that their public address announcer has not been further than, like, uh, two zip codes outside of the state limits of Maine. <laughs> He's got an accent that is that good. Okay. And I had an incredible moment uh, here as we talk in our Maryland and D.C. area uh, discussion in a way here. But uh, I was in Portland the night that the uh, – or I wasn't actually in Portland. But the morning the Caps won the Stanley Cup, I was in Portland. Oh. We had a getaway day game, an 11 a.m. game, and then drove down to New Hampshire. I was in Manchester when we won. And this was really, really random. But I used to watch, when I was a kid in the 80s, Don Cherry rock 'em, sock 'em hockey. Okay? Yeah. And I had an old beta tape. <laughs> and you can find this on YouTube, I think, of one of those, just there was like 20 of them, but I had one of them, right? And they, they talked about the great cat, Scott Stevens, <laughs> so that shows the age right there, <laughs> and Dale Hunter just blowing people up, right? So they, they played the same song behind the entire video. It was the same, no lyric. It was just the same background for like 25 or 30 minutes. And so I watched that that a million times when I was a kid. Yeah. And I didn't realize it was actually a hit song in the 80s, okay? Yeah. Called Obsession. Oh, okay. I've only heard the song one other time anywhere, right? But that was my hockey tape, and I still remember it from anywhere. And Portland with their eccentric and very unique uh, music playing. Here it is like 9.45 or 10 in the morning. The Caps are up three games to one. 
I'm hoping this is the night I'm going to see, you know, one of my favorite teams I've rooted for my entire life finally win the Stanley Cup. Yeah. And the freaking song Obsession gets played over the loudspeaker. I went running into the Portland uh, broadcaster's booth, Mike Antonellis, the lead broadcaster, and I'm like, guys, guys, I got to tell you. And I started, I told them that story in like 20 seconds, and they looked at me with like a, hey, man, yeah, we, we really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm telling you, I knew that moment that that night the Caps were going to win the Stanley Cup. I just, you know, it was just like, I haven't heard this song in 20 years. Right. You know? This was my, it was like one of my childhood dreams to watch this Caps win the Stanley Cup. Sure. And here it is, right? Here it is the night that it's going to happen. And I hear this song, but you know, that's so, funny. Uh, and, it, and it happened. So, uh, so I, I, uh, that's a really random non-baseball story, but <laughs> Portland is an awesome city. And, uh, but there's so many, to be honest, the Eastern league, um, just great ballparks. Of course, Hartford is, Probably one of the best new ballparks yeah. in all of minor league baseball. They waited um, long Redding, enough for it. What do you say? Yeah, they did. They did. They <laughs> for it. Reading is, um, you know, Reading is a ballpark that I might like the most because it has a lot of the new amenities. Uh, it is the gatherings place for that entire community. Mm-hmm. But number the third aspect though is that it, it is such a historic ballpark yeah there are many that are like that in in minor league baseball but nobody celebrates that history it's kind of like the mix of what's great about old minor league baseball and new minor league baseball brought together in one i reading to me might be the best at that okay what what's your least favorite place to go to in the eastern league oh man that's tough i you know what's funny is that i over my time to be honest and i I, I hate bowing out on this question, but but over my time, I, I tend to really like to go to some of the smaller towns. Okay. Um, like two of my favorite places that in the Easter League are Erie and Binghamton, the two smallest oh, yeah. towns in the league. Yeah. Uh, Binghamton, you get to stay in downtown, and you can walk to the stadium. Mm-hmm. So, like, you don't have to get a cab if you want to go out and get a beer after the games, or go out and get a you know, like everything's right there. You're in the heart of the city. Right. Uh, it's it's Mets. The I mean, I mean, the Mets is I think one of the great fan franchises of baseball. Yeah. So you, you, you just have a a fun atmosphere when you're at that ballpark. It's a smaller, you know, more like single A type style ballpark. Okay. Uh, Erie is one of my favorite places because in Erie, uh, it's just, you know, the fans that sit in front of the booth, you know, you end up knowing, like I, I, I go to Erie and I know that I've got Karen in front of my broadcast booth and uh, Karen's family lives near an apple. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, yeah. just, it's incredible. Binghamton has that too. The same guys sit in front of the visiting broadcast booth. They know all the broadcasters. Yeah. It's a community. And a lot of times in the smaller communities, um, you know, it, it's just, it, it, that team means more than in the bigger places. So, sure. So I really love some of the smaller towns. And, and one of my favorite places ever to broadcast from, uh, undoubtedly the worst booth, but undoubtedly uh, the best people, best atmosphere uh, as far as uh, the love. Uh, you know, it, uh, it's just, just, just an incredible place that, like, if you were going to make a show about minor league baseball, this would be it. But it's Kinston. Uh, you know, okay. now that it's down east, you know, it doesn't yeah. make sense anyway, but, but still, uh, Janelle Bullock, who's a, a good friend of mine, is still helping run things down there, and she's incredible. So, so Kinston is, for me, 
uh, one of those places too, which is like, at first you're like, oh man, we're going where? And then, yeah. then you know, you go, you go there over time and you absolutely love it. Love yeah. it, love it. I mean, I get it, man. I, I worked in Beloit for four years, so. Um, <laughs> Beloit's got to be one of those spots. Like, yeah, yeah, no for sure. No um, shout out to Erie, though, uh, the city of my birth. So, um, See, I knew it produced greatness. Yeah, absolutely. See, all the way. Yep, yep, Dr- exactly. Dreary, eerie, no more. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I'll tell you a quick story about Erie. My manager, of course, you know, leading the league at F-bombs uh, <laughs> in, in the mid-20-teens. You know, we're supposed to play that night. And, uh, of course, it's Erie, right? They got five inches of snow. Yep. <laughs> I'm drinking a cup of, you know, like I'm drinking a hot tea. He's got a coffee in the lobby. Yeah, and we're just a few feet from the front desk. He goes, he's like, you know what, Adam? He's like, he goes, I know that we're here in this hellhole, but I'll tell you this. He goes, these eight holes behind the desk, they got to stay here after the series is over. We get to go home. <laughs> you know what? They can hear you, brother. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was uh, so I love it. I love it. So Erie, I know, I mean, yeah, to be honest, Greg Gang is the broadcaster voice of Erie, mm-hmm. and I, you know Greg is one of the great uh, baseball business broadcasters, if not the best in in all of baseball. He's the AGM of Erie, yeah, and um, and and, I'm, and Greg Coleman is their GM. Yeah, that is a place. I know it's small town America per se, but like for me. I know that maybe you know here in the month of February or whatever you you, you know you might have a, a quivering pistol in your mouth you know ready to pull the trigger, but I mean the reality is is that that's what my like Erie's what minor league baseball's all about. Yeah. And if I were a longtime voice of the team in Erie, I think I think that would be like a really really fun and uh, awesome career. So. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Greg Coleman, former guest of the Pulling Tar Podcast. So there you go, Dean. Hey, you know that's why you got to subscribe. You got to go back, look at the old podcast. Yeah, check this out. It's happening, baby. It's <laughs> all there. Like, like this is evergreen material. You can listen to this in twenty twenty six. Absolutely. And, and enjoy that uh, that porter and the uh, whiskey or whatever. I yeah, love perfect. <laughs> um, so I'm a big food guy. And you've done oh, a lo- you've done a lot of traveling in the Eastern <laughs> League. What's the best concessions item in the Eastern League? Oh man, uh, the weirdest. Erie's got the weirdest. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to show you know um, my level of obesity right now. Um, you know, I uh, I could probably get a vaccine right now due to it. Uh, unfortunately, right? No. You know, if I walked in there, they're like, "Hey, you're obese, brother. Come on." No, Sit my down. gosh. Let me put this bad boy in your arm. Right, so I, uh, you know, for me, uh, it's this is really fun because you'd think it'd be something grilled or cooked, but Portland has got a uh, ice cream sandwich called what is it called? The Portland Sea Dogs. I just, you know what? I'm forgetting exactly what it's called. It's like got a famous name. Um, Slugger is their mascot. I'm trying to think. Um, so look it up. Google Portland Sea Dogs ice cream sandwich, and, and that's what you got to get. I feel bad because I'm completely blanking right now. Uh, you know, if I would have been drinking during this podcast, Bobby, I think I would have I remembered <laughs> what it would be called. But, well, so but, what uh, What makes it different? Different. what makes it different than a regular ice cream sandwich? The wrapper. Yeah, oh. The wrapper is uh, fantastic. You know, when you get... <laughs> when you get uh, I, I don't know. Like, I just think that's cool. Like, it's, yeah. it's literally like team-branded wrapping. You know, okay. wrapping for a, 
ice cream sandwich. I, you know, so I can get I can get down with that for sure. Yeah, because um, you know, with broadcasters, we usually don't eat concession food. Right. Know, we're, we're hoity, you know, we're hoity-toity people. So, yep. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's called a, a sea dog biscuit. I think that's what they call it. Okay. Sea dog biscuit, and I like that. You know, that they call it a biscuit. Oh yeah. And uh, you know, for me, with some southern roots in my college time, I've never seen an ice cream sandwich called a biscuit. But, uh, but uh, I guess it's like the dog eating his own biscuit yeah and it's tasty so there you go i think that's what it's called okay perfect um, i should be reprimanded I, I should have to pay a, a tip jar or something for forgetting what, uh, what it's actually called no so. you're good man um so <laughs> where can the listeners find you on social media oh yeah i you know i i uh i'm very creative as you can tell by this conversation oh so. yeah uh, that's a wink, wink, right? Um, not really. So on Twitter is probably where you would follow me, and uh, um, I'm showing my age. I do have an Instagram, but I, I it's not for me. So I uh, my Twitter is uh, at P, my, you know my name backwards P O H L A D A M right Adam Pohl. So okay. at Pohl Adam, but uh, not backwards like Harry Carey trying to say Mark Grudzelonic of the. Uh, Montreal Expo's name backward, which is one of the great moments in, in WGN Cubs broadcast history. If you have not seen that, listeners, uh, YouTube that. It's a Grudzelonic, Harry Carey, and uh, it, it, let me tell you something. We only have so much time on this earth, 60 seconds of that, and, and you'll enjoy yourself. So, um, Grudzelonic was, I can't remember what team he was managing in the Midwest League at the time. Um, I want to say it was Kane County and, um, my official score at the time hated Grizzolonic, um, just because he, he made his life a living hell. Um, for, (laughs) for that series. You know, we, we didn't talk a little bit about this and sorry to cut you off, but but a funny thing is that this happens all the time. You know, everybody, every manager at some point of the season, you know, goes off on a score or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's all about, you know, some guy that's hitting 237, getting an infield hit, so now he would be hitting 238. Yeah. Like, like it matters. But the funniest thing about it is the difference between college basketball and being with a uh. program and baseball. There's nothing more deflating as a broadcaster <laughs> than working this long day, right? Yep. And then you have the game. And whether you win or lose the game, you know, okay, we're at the end of the day. And then the manager comes and starts just lighting you up about wanting to talk to the score and basically laying into you mm-hmm. about this call. I mean, it, it gets old pretty quickly. Obviously, when you've done it long enough, you kind of understand or, you know, understand how to try to handle it. A lot of it deals with your manager. And look, sometimes managers, look, when you work like people in baseball work, if a manager wants to lay into you and, and in some regards even, like, cuss you out, look, Suck it up, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, like it's okay. They still they, they don't hate you, you know. It's not about you. You're, you're just kind of the person taking the blows right there. Yeah, and that's definitely happened to me. Maybe <laughs> my career. But but the funny thing about like basketball is I'm on the bus. I, I mentioned my coach now, the head coach at George Washington University, Jamie and Christian. And I can't remember if we won or lost. I think we actually lost this game. And we're driving back, you know, from somewhere around New York City. And he's looking at the box score. Now, we have this uh, really rangy, outstanding defender, rim protector named Chris Ray. Uh-huh. And he goes, 
They only gave Chris Ray two blocks. I swear he had four or five, right? Yeah. And the, and I'm like, you know, I just shrug my shoulders. He goes, and he, he asks his assistants, right? And then he goes, and they're like, yeah, he, he, I thought he definitely had four or five. He just goes, okay. And then he just keeps looking at the box. Like, uh. there's, there's no protesting. There's no, like, let me call the official scorer and, and uh, it, you know, threaten his, uh, you know, his firstborn child. You, you know, right. it's just, it was just kind of like, okay, well, whatever. <laughs> I, I got to kick that out. I'm like, man, if you were only in minor league baseball, Jamie, right. that wouldn't be the case. <laughs> yeah, man, that's funny. Uh, so I end each episode with the same question. Uh-oh. What has been your favorite walk-up or warm-up song in your baseball career, and whose was it? <laughs> okay, so I'm a, I'm a uh, lover of early 90s music. My personal walk-up song, if, uh, you know, if, if I had an athletic bone in my body, would be Pearl Jam's Dissonance off their second album. And uh, if you listen to the first 20 or 30 seconds, I love that. I mean, it's just a grooving guitar lick. But there's no doubt that my favorite moment <laughs> is, uh, what, what, to be honest, I mean, I, it's hard for me not to say he's my favorite. One of my favorite ballplayers ever Yeah, was uh, this little infielder. Uh, I, you know, little, he's, he's taller than mine. Uh, out of uh, northern Illinois, drafted in the 16th round, Bobby Stevens. Bobby was a guy that should have been in Aberdeen, but there were a bunch of injuries, and they called him up to Frederick, and the manager loved him. So the next year, he should have been in Delmarva, but the manager wanted him back in Frederick, right? Okay. So he was in Frederick for a second year. Then the next year after that, he should have been in Frederick. Well, he was in Frederick for a third year. And then the year after that, obviously, you know, he's a guy that's a 16th rounder. It's kind of tough to get up to double A. So he's back in Frederick again. <laughs> he spent, you know, he had, he had five seasons, four really four and a half years in the Orioles organization. Yeah, four full seasons and and his drafted year. His drafted year, he played in the Appy League in Bluefield, and then the like the rest of his entire career was as, just about as a Frederick King. And um, so Bobby, uh, Bobby used to always, you know, he was just such a jokester, just a different type of guy. Love to talk to anybody at the stadium. Uh, you know, a lot of athletes just want to be around the other athletes. You know? mm-hmm. Bobby was not that kind. You know, he, he knew everybody from fans to executives to, you know, whoever, right? Okay. And so, so Bobby, Bobby loved the song, and he got so much grief for it. He loved that song, Call Me Maybe. Yeah. Okay? Right? Yep, yeah. So, of course, as all everybody knows, when you're at home, when you're at home, you get your song, right? Yeah. When you're on the road, you don't get your song. So we're at Myrtle Beach, and the the thing about Myrtle Beach in the Carolina League is that is the party town. Yeah. So the first night that you're in Myrtle Beach is a wild night to the point that the visiting clubby would always the 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 day after he knew the team was in town for our first night, he would just have like Advil and Gatorade, power, buckets of, you know, Powerade. Like, like he would just have hangover cures everywhere around the clubhouse. He knew <laughs> the whole team was a disaster. Yeah. Myrtle Beach, if you could ever bet on minor league baseball, which obviously you can't, but, you know, whatever the team's record playing Myrtle Beach the day after their first night out has got to be awful. You know? yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know? <laughs> yep. just terrible. So here it is. It's our first night. Everybody's hoping to play a quick game. And here we are, 
you know, pre starting a runner at second, it's the freaking, you know, 13th inning, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so, it's, you know, it's almost, you know, the bars are getting close to shutting. Yeah. And we're still playing baseball. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's like 11, 11 at night. And <laughs> so the, the, the keys are, are coming up to bat and leading off the inning is Bobby Stevens. This game was a 0 0 game, you know, here. Wow. Extra yeah. And they're playing Call Me Maybe. The stadium at this point is empty. Huh. And Bobby takes longer than you've ever seen a player to walk into that batter's box. He <laughs> let almost the entire song play, right? Wow. Like, like he was like dancing, you know, like he's getting into it. You know, everybody's like yelling him, get in the box, dude. Like, let's end this game. Right. And Bobby gets in the box finally after, you know, uh, taking at least an, an extra minute, right? And he just ropes the ball. There hasn't been a ball hit hard in hours. He ropes the ball off the wall left center. <laughs> so he doubles, right? Yeah. Now this is, this was not a walk off because it's the top of the wall. Sure. Yeah. Now, the next guy that lays down a sack bunt, the bunt goes up the first baseline. Mm-hmm. The catcher runs out, makes really a great play. Slide like catching the picks it up bare hand, throws the first, sliding on both knees to get the guy out. But Bobby, it, you know, gets a third. Yeah, hard, great gritty ball player you know not a major league ball player unfortunately because he struck out too much you know he's kind of the 250 guy in, in single line mm-hmm. but i mean just a great baseball player and, and for people that love the game of baseball they'll understand they understand what i mean you know? yeah he was just an incredibly smart player he's a great defensive player you know so bobby <laughs> he just never stopped running oh he wow. from second on a freaking bunt 30 feet up the first base line, the only run of the game. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, he, he was uh, rewarded with a hero's welcome coming into the clubhouse. And finally, you know, the Frederick Keys were able to go out and drink beer uh, in Myrtle Beach <laughs> uh, after Call Me Maybe and uh, a five-hour baseball game. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. that. So we'll ride out with, with Call Me Maybe um, that that brings me back to the time where I worked a 21 inning game in Delmarva. Oh, there you go. Uh, yes, historic. Yeah, yes, I know what game you're talking about. Yep, exactly. So, um, yeah, so we'll ride out with Call Me Maybe. Um, but thank you so much, Adam, for for taking the time out of your evening tonight to to chat with me on the Pulling Tart Podcast. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, just thank you so much, man. And I can't thank you enough for having me, and I've really enjoyed it looking back. And, uh, hey, you know, we're, we're going to be seeing some minor league baseball in front of us in 2021, and uh, that is a beautiful thing. Yeah, man. And let me know if you're ever coming to Delmarva at all, and I'll let you know if I'm ever going to Bowie. I will. I will for sure. My wife has some family that actually has a place up that way, so I will let you know because there's a good chance we'll get up there here this summer. All right. Perfect, man. All right, well, yeah, man, thank you so much. No doubt, have a great night. Thank you, you too. No doubt.
You've listened to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.